So as we continue in our series, A Dangerous Generosity, remind you that last week, Pastor Jeff took us through this idea of our mission and our vision. To engage with the spiritually hungry toward a life in Christ that's inspired, intelligent, and involved. So the idea of heart, head, and hands. And we're going to be spending some time on heart under the theme of dangerous generosity. And then after that, head and hands, and sort of combining those themes. And the first few weeks of that little series within a series has to do with the idea of a generous heart and how that's dangerous to have one. According to popular phraseology, it's said to have the ability to be bleeding, to be faint, to be broken and heavy. You can have a change of it. It can be hard, it can be made of either stone or gold. Absence makes it grow fonder, it has the capacity to ache. It can be cold, warm, or hot. It can be both cross and crossed. It can be cried out, it can be poured out, ripped out, or it can go out to someone else. It can be in your throat or on your sleeve. It can be in either the right place or the wrong place. It can both soar and sink. It can be both won and lost. Our hearts can beat fast, skip a beat, and stand still, all in response to the same event. I experience all of those every time my wife walks into the room. It beats fast, it skips a beat, it stands still. And she's not here this morning, so when you see her, would you tell her I said that? (laughs) Score me some points. The human heart. And we're focusing on it, as I said, over these next couple of weeks. In particular, seeking to let the Gospels and the teachings in particular of Jesus about what it looks like to cultivate or discover, maintain a generous heart, and how dangerous that can be. We won't touch on all the ways, the cultivation, acquisition, protection of a generous heart can be. You'll do some of that just as you go home and hopefully think about these things, but we're gonna deal with some of those things over these next uh, couple of weeks. This week, looking at another characteristic of a generous heart and a few more of the dangers of having one, having been launched into that theme last week so well by Pastor Jeff. God, would you teach us now? Uh, Holy Spirit, manage not only my lips and words, but also our ears. Uh, Give us the ability to employ our minds, to reason and think but also to be led to think with our minds, but also with our hearts. Cause us to be able to feel the truth. In the name of Christ, we pray. Amen. So what are some of the characteristics as we go on in this theme of a generous heart? And I'm going to take two texts, both from Luke and just point out a couple of more characteristics of a generous heart in this series, Dangerous Generosity. A couple of more characteristics of a generous heart. The first is from Luke 
chapter 6. And here's the first characteristic, and then we'll look, about what, look into what are some reasons that that's dangerous. How is that dangerous? How is that tough? First is this. The generous heart is a hopeful heart. A generous heart is a heart that's always hoping. It sees people's potential, and it hopes and believes that they can realize their potential. A generous heart is a heart whose favorite two words are, yes, but it sees the scars of people and the failures of people, the mistakes of people, the burdens of people, even some of the pain that will result from knowing people. But a generous heart is a hopeful heart. It always seems to be able to say, yes, but when you peel back the curtains and the layers, I also see this in somebody. It's an incredibly optimistic heart when it comes to people. Luke chapter 6, Jesus reveals the fact that he has an incredibly hopeful heart. He sees potential in people. He's always looking for what could be in somebody, even people that are, uh, are uh, against him. And he challenges us to do the same. Listen to this. But to you who are listening, I say, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. You feel the danger in that already? Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who mistreat you. If someone slaps you on one cheek, turn to them the other also. If someone takes your coat, don't withhold your shirt from them. Give to everyone who asks of you. And if anyone takes what belongs to you, do not demand it back. Do to others as you would have them do to you. Which is directly opposite of doing uh, to others, re reacting to others uh, in a way uh, 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 that wants to give them the same kind of pain they just gave you. Do to them, act toward them the way you wish they would have acted towards you. If you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who are good to you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners do that. And if you lend to those from whom you expect repayment, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners, expecting to be repaid in full, but love your enemies. And you see this word love taking on a measurable action, seeing the best in even your enemies. Do good to them. Lend to them without expecting to get anything back. And then your reward will be great. And you will be children of the Most High. Because He is kind to the ungrateful, kind to the wicked. He has an incredibly hopeful heart. Be merciful just as your father is merciful. Don't judge and you won't be judged. Don't condemn and you won't be condemned. Forgive and you will be forgiven. Give and it will be given to you. A good measure pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. A generous heart is a hopeful heart. It sees people's potential. It hopes for them. It doesn't assume what it hopes. It's optimistic. Its favorite phrase is, yes, but, or yes, and, at very least. It sees potential for good even in its enemies, this generous heart. In those who take advantage of its kindness and its open-handedness, 
It looks beyond the pain, beyond the scarring, and it says, you are human too, and the victim of the same enemy that taunts all of us. And it wants to see the good. It wants to see what could be in a person and to invest in that because it's just so generous. Even in those who abuse power and position, a generous heart hopes for something better in them. But having a generous heart, a generous seeing the potential in people heart is a dangerous thing because it's potentially costly. And most of us have experienced that. A couple of reasons that reasons it's so costly that I was thinking of is this, because sometimes people's potential never develops into anything but potential. Sometimes your enemies don't love you back, and there's a risk there. It's costly. You show love, and you don't get love back. You lend, and in fact, it isn't returned. You see something that could be true in somebody and is latent in them, but never really comes to fruition. It never grows. It never sprouts. And what you offer, full of mercy and hope, and you kind of lay yourself open, sometimes your enemies do not love you back. And when your guard is down, your enemies can cop a Sunday punch on you that knocks you right to your knees, and that's dangerous. A generous heart will experience things like that. Second reason it's, gener- it's dangerous to have one and, be- and, and that it's costly is because having a heart like that requires a willingness to be taken advantage of in order to be used by God in people's lives. I'm, I'm not foolish, I'm not stupid. I know that if I am that gener- generous toward people, loving my enemies, lending to those who can't pay back, caring for those who abuse power, not treating them the way they treated me, but treating them the way I would like to be treated, the way Jesus would like to be treated. I know that I could be hurt from that. Sometimes this requires a willingness to be taken advantage of in order to be used by God. But God still says, go ahead, take a shot, take a risk. Don't be foolish. He's not asking us to jettison wisdom. But he is saying, when your heart swells for people, what could be true in some broken person, you're an awful lot like me. And this is dangerous and potentially costly because this kind of heart, and Jeff reminded us of this last week when he talked about that this heart's going to carry a burden. A generous heart is a kind of heart that we will be broken and deeply disappointed from time to time. There's no option except to have, for a generous heart, except to have it broken and to experience disappointment. Those are the moments where we lean on Jesus most. That hurt, Lord. Uh Uh-huh, but did I ask you to do it? Well, yeah, but that really hurt. That didn't go out. That didn't come off the way I, I had hoped it would come off. Okay, then he would say back, you're going to have to figure out how to have obedience to me and partnership with me in my sufferings be enough for you. Are you disappointed in me? Well, no, I'm not disappointed in you. Just that person that I loved and my enemy that I opened up to and 
Man, I should have never put my guard down. They punched me right in the nose. And I hope you learn in your generous heart to hear Jesus say things like, tell me about it. I know what that feels like. There is this idea in Scripture of us living in such a way that we, and not, nobody's really sure what it means, but we have this idea. We are, it tells us, it calls us to complete the sufferings of Christ. We are somehow participating in them. When we live like Christ, we will also, from some people, be treated like Christ was treated, but we also get some of the deep and great joys that Christ knew and the fantastic purpose in life. A generous heart is a hopeful heart. It sees potential in people and then hopes it right to the surface sometimes. But it's dangerous. Second characteristic of a generous heart that I take from Luke chapter 23. A generous heart is a hopeful heart, but a generous heart is a forgiving heart. It's not a dismissing heart. It's a forgiving heart. It's not a heart that says the pain you caused people, the pain you caused me, the thing you did that scarred me forever doesn't matter. I'm just going to pretend it didn't hurt. It's not a dismissing heart, but it's a forgiving heart. It's a kind of heart that, said, that says, let's try again. I'm a person who had to be forgiven. Ah, oh, let's try again. Let's, let's go from here. It's a forgiving heart. A, a, a generous heart is a heart that wants to free people, not add shackles to their wrists and ankles. It, I, I so long, a generous heart would say, for you to be aware, yes, of the pain you caused me or the evil you did against me, but also to be uh, freed from it. And you and I can only both, be, both only be freed from it when I forgive. And I only know how to forgive when God breathes that ability into my heart. It's a heart that longs for people to be free, including the offended person. It's a heart that wants to remove people's shackles, to pardon people's failures. It's not necessarily a heart that finds it easy to pardon. It's a heart that longs for the ability to pardon. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us, Lord. And we ought always to pray, forgive us our sins, and then reflect on those and ask the Holy Spirit to reveal to us some of the things that we're striking out in life. And then we ought also to add a prayer that goes something like, and make, increase my propensity to forgive those who sin against me. I'm receiving forgiveness from you, but oh Lord Jesus, I want to become a forgiver. I want my natural reaction to be generous, to be forgiving. So, oh, that hurt, but I so long to see you free. You're a victim of the enemy just like me, making foolish choices just like me. It longs to forgive people's failures. Luke 23, Jesus is on the hill being crucified. And in Luke 23, you have this reference to these two criminals who are being crucified with him. And Luke gives more detail than any of the other Gospels about those two guys. Two other men, both criminals, were also let out with him to be executed. When they came to the place called the Skull, 
the hill called the skull, Golgotha. They crucified them there. By the way, just point of clarity. To crucify isn't to kill. To crucify is to begin the punishment. So Jesus was crucified before he died. He died because of crucifixion. How did he die? By crucifixion. Okay. So they were crucified there with him. Along with the criminals, he was crucified. And on his right uh, was one criminal and the other was on his left. Verse 34, Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they're doing. Speaking to all of those who had anything to do with his, speaking about all those who had anything to do with his death. And they divided up his clothes by casting lots. And the irony of that of Jesus, uh, with all of these scars and all of that pain and such a broken heart and all of that love shown and so little of it received by so few. And then he, while in agony, with a thief on one side and a thief on the other, and by the way, we're told that the people on his left and right were joining in with all of the mocking that was going on. And Jesus is thinking, oh, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Please don't hold this against them. And while that profound prayer is being offered, his crucifiers are casting lots to see who gets his clothes. The people stood watching and the rulers even sneered at him and they said, he saved others, let him save himself if he's God, Messiah, the chosen one. No sincerity in the statement. The soldiers also came up and mocked him. They offered him wine vinegar and said, if you're the king of the Jews, save yourself. Laughter, laughter, laughter. It was written a notice above him which read, this is the king of the Jews. One of the criminals who hung there hurled insults at him. Aren't you the Messiah? Save yourself and us. But the other criminal rebuked him. Don't you fear God, he said, since you are under the same sentence, we are punished justly, for we are getting what our deeds deserve. But this man has done nothing wrong. And then he said, turns to Jesus, he says, Jesus, remember me when you enter your kingdom. And Jesus answered him and said, Truly I tell you, today you will be with me in paradise. Can we agree? Yeah, that's a generous heart. That's a forgiving heart. You know, all four Gospels refer to these criminals or robbers. And three of the four Gospels speak of the criminals or robbers joining in on the verbal abuse and mocking Jesus. But Luke gives us more specificity. And apparently, Matthew and Mark, that speak mostly most of it, uh, are being more general, assigning the abuse to both criminals. Luke gives us more specificity now. So actually, it was one. So one's a general reference. Now here's a more specific reference. Either that, or maybe even more powerfully, that second criminal that said, please remember me, went from mocking, this is what I think may have happened, went from mocking to realization, and then something profound changed in him. Only Luke records this conversation of the one criminal saying, remember me, forgive me. 
And you know what else only Luke records? Interestingly enough, only Luke records those words from the cross. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And I'm wondering, this is just me wondering, as I'm putting all of the pieces together, trying to get something out of this. If there isn't some scenario where there's mocking and there's pain and there's groaning and you're hearing all of the, if you're God, save yourself. And us too, by the way, we're all up here together. God, so, sheesh, come on. How could God be on the cross and arrested and powerless? God could certainly snap his fingers or even with a thought, jump off of that cross, lay waste. All. Come on, take us down too. And then I wonder, I just wonder, if those two thieves didn't overhear Jesus say, Father, forgive them. They just don't understand what they're doing. They're just children. And I wonder if one thief didn't say, what? Forgive? What kind of a man is this? What kind of a heart is this that can endure all of that? There's no place left to put an open wound on his body. And he's still loving he wants to forgive. And I wonder if hearing that didn't cause a change in that thief. Where he said, did I get included in that prayer? And Jesus said, you sure did, son. And he may have then said, shut up, you. This man's not like us turned back to Jesus and said, remember me. Something like that happened. Probably not the detail that I'm imagining, but something like that happened because Luke's recording the Father forgive them, they know not what they do words, and Luke's the only one to record this conversation with the thieves going back and forth, one correcting the other, rebuking the other, and then turning to Jesus and saying, include me. Can even I be included? The life I've lived showed no desire for God, no hunger for God, no fear of God, no alignment with what you've been teaching. This is my only conversation with you, but will you include me? And Jesus says, you bet I'll include you. I wonder if the power of forgiveness is not that significant to hearing someone forgive. When hearing someone forgive, a whole heart can be changed. There's something about a generous heart that loves to forgive. And there's something about that forgiveness that has a huge effect on people. It changes people. A generous heart is a hopeful heart, and a generous heart is a forgiving heart. But man, when you have a generous, forgiving heart like that, it's dangerous. That's a dangerous generosity. Because it puts at risk our whole way of doing life and retaliating when people do us harm. It will require that our hearts be trained to be satisfied with something other than revenge. And there's, there's certainly something godly about that, but there's nothing natural about that for human beings, at least not in our present state. Our normal misapplication of the I for an I mentality is going to have to be left to God. 
And then maybe even that generous heart takes on the prayer of Moses. When God's going to destroy all of Israel and Moses says, well, don't do that. Change your mind. It's so full of forgiveness, that generous heart. But it's a risk. Because we're going to have to be satisfied with something other than revenge. In fact, deeply dissatisfied with revenge, longing for, for a reconciliation instead. And the pride of holding a grudge will be required to stand down in favor of something less natural, but much more godly. And there's nothing easy about that, is there? No, it will have to be trained to be satisfied with something other than revenge. Another reason that kind of a generous, forgiving heart is dangerous is because forgiveness, this is one for me, okay? Forgiveness, have you ever noticed, it looks a lot like weakness. It looks a lot like passivity. And we may need to become willing to be seen as weak or spineless or passive or whatever people, word people want to assign to it when what it actually is is forgiveness and hope giving. Nobody wants to look weak. Nobody wants to look passive. But this is a dangerous heart to have because it wants to forgive instead of retaliating. And that looks like weakness. That, you know what that looks like? It looks like you're lost. It looks like they won, and we just can't stand that. When we forgive, some people think, well, it looks like you endorsed what they did, because we don't think well enough to not think that. A generous heart. It's a forgiving heart. You may have heard this story, you probably did, because it made it to national news, but in 2004, there was a lady named Victoria Ruvolo. Anybody remember her? Back on the East Coast, she's driving down the freeway, uh, not too far from her home, and some kids were on an overpass, goofing off. They bought a frozen 20-pound turkey with a stolen credit card, and one of them in the car decided to throw this thing out the back window over the overpass. And it happened to land right in her windshield as she's traveling 70 miles an hour down the expressway. It smashed through her windshield. It shattered her facial bones, damaged her esophagus, and even caused some brain damage. Nearly every bone in her body, you can see her there on the left in the hospital on the, on the right after she's recovered. Every bone in her, in her face, I mean, was broken. She had breathing tubes running from her mouth. She was in a coma for some time. She didn't wake up for almost a month, during which time she had several surgeries and some reparative work done. She said for the rest of her life, she'd always have three titanium plates in her left cheek, one in her right cheek, and a wire mesh holding her left eye in place because her left eye socket was so badly damaged. It nearly killed her. But at Ryan... The, the man's sentence that uh, his, his, student, his, his colleagues who his friends were in the car all copped please and said he's the guy that threw it over, it's Ryan. At his sentencing, Victoria forgave him. And she even went so far as to implore 
the judge to give him a shorter prison sentence than he would have otherwise had. And her reason? She had a generous heart. She was convinced that there was something good in him, that this was the aberration. And she was confident that forgiveness could bring it out. She was right. I'm going to read from some of what she said as she told the story. The district attorney informed me that the other teenagers who had been with Ryan had entered a plea bargain to testify against him. This, coupled with overwhelming evidence, was enough to put him in jail for 25 years. It was at this point that I started asking questions about Ryan, because I'd experienced the death of two brothers when I was much younger. I felt strongly that I didn't want to be responsible for taking this other young person's life. I didn't want Ryan to rot in jail. He was 19, I think, first year of college. That's when I asked to meet with Ryan's lawyer to be able to tell him that I wanted an amnesty for Ryan, or at least a lesser sentence. On the day we went to court, I saw this young man walk in wearing a suit which looked like it was three times too big for him. It made him seem so frail. He walked in with his head hung down and looked so upset with himself. When I saw him there, my heart went out to him. To me, he looked like a lost soul. Do you see the characteristics of this generous heart showing up? I saw something in him. I hoped for him. And I wanted to forgive him. Going on with what she said. Once the case was over and it was time for him to walk out, he started veering over toward where I was sitting, and every court officer was ready to jump on him. They had no idea why he was coming toward me. But as he walked over to where I was sitting and stood in front of me, I saw that all he was doing was crying crying profusely. Now remember, he's heard her say, please give him a lighter sentence. I forgive him. He's already heard all that. He walks over and he's crying profusely. And he looked at me and he said, I never meant this to happen to you. I prayed for you every day. And I'm so glad you're doing well. Then this motherly instinct just came over me. And all I could do was take him and cuddle him like a child and tell him, just do something good with your life. Take this experience and do something good with your life. Because I asked for amnesty for Ryan, he received a six-month prison sentence with five years probation of community service and psychiatric help instead of the 25 years in prison he could have got. Some people couldn't understand why I'd done this, but I felt God had given me a second chance, and I wanted to pass it on. And I know I did the right thing. Kids like Ryan don't think about what they do. They think they're invincible and everything will be okay. They don't think about how every action has a reaction. For his community service, Ryan was directed to speak to youth on probation in a probation program. And when he finished his one year of community service, he volunteered for another three years. Victoria is now working with the person who created that program, speaking to youth about the importance of forgiveness. They've recently co-authored a book entitled No Room for Vengeance, Injustice and Healing. After writing a letter and asking for and receiving official rented for, uh, a, a written forgiveness from her, she said, uh, Ryan said of his victim, She's the best, and I love her. 
Today they still email from time to time, and he's completed his probation. She says he now has a job and is doing really, really well. And she's armed with her life's greater purpose. She can look back at something that might have crushed a less forgiving person, and she cracks a joke, and she says it this way. Now for the rest of my life, I have to be known as the turkey lady. (laughs) But she said, it could have been worse. He could have thrown over a canned ham, and I could be known as Miss Piggy. (laughs) That's a generous heart. That's what we're talking about. It's dangerous stuff, but it transforms. It's a heart that's full of hope, ready to forgive. That's a heart that is a true and present danger to everything and anything that stands in opposition to Jesus Christ and his kingdom. And it's our prayer that we could develop one. Amen.